0: Every human being, regardless of age or gender or culture, lives moment by moment, filtering their reality, their decisions and their actions according to the values that they hold.
1: Welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast, where we explore the latest in quantum science, personal development, consciousness and spirituality, health, as well as business and money mastery. Join me as I interview experts from all over the world sharing the most incredible stories of transformation. This is where we provide you with the exact tools and coaching activities you need to expand your consciousness in each of the eight areas of your life. For more info on our events, programs, coaching, etc., go to drspen.com for the full quantum experience. And good morning, everyone. Dr. Espen here. I have today the privilege of spending some time with one of the most influential people in my life, in my personal life and in my professional career, none other than the incredible Dr. John Martini. Now, for those of you who don't know who Dr. John is, he's a world-renowned specialist in human behavior. He is a researcher, author. He has written and compiled over 300 texts and books with over 40 books self-help books in total. He's a global educator. He studied over 30,000 texts himself. He's a polymath and he shared his wisdom on stages in over 100 countries across the world. Dr. John, it's a privilege to be with you. How are you this morning? We're doing great. Thank you. It's actually evening here. So we're, we're going into evening If you're going into the voice. Houston, Texas. I'm in Texas at this moment. Absolutely. Awesome. So great to be with you. Quick story, when I first came to Australia in 2005, as a Scandinavian, had done very little personal development work, as a young man, full of ego, lots of wounding, not much wisdom, I would say, but of course, great determination to learn and to grow. And then one day, I heard about this guy, someone was talking about this guy, he was apparently amazing, his name was Dr. John DiMartini, something rather, and he was a polymath, I didn't know what that was, he was a researcher, I knew what that was. But he had a method. He had discovered a method. And this method had changed the lives of many, many, many thousands of people across the world. And as I started doing a bit more research, I came about some of your work, John. And I remembered this experience very vividly. It was as you speak of, this notion of time and space disappeared. And I was completely embodied in what was coming my way. And so I said, I don't know where this guy is or what he's doing, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to go there. And I remember once you flew to Australia, I went to a seminar and it was the first time that I had peers in my eyes in over 10 years. And that led me to doing your work. I came to one of your free introductory lectures. I believe it was a personal development and wealth combination seminar. Then I did your breakthrough experience three times and I continued this journey into So much of the work that you teach. So, for those viewers, listeners watching, I want to let you know that today we have Dr. John here with us. We're going to be diving deep, asking some very powerful questions. And, John, just as a thank you from my heart to your heart, you have been by far the most influential teacher in my life. And that has led to thousands and thousands of people being having experiences of healing because of that. So, I'm honored and privileged to be with you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. And let's see where our journey goes today. Great. Absolutely. Let's get rocking. So I remember a story you
1: told once, John, and it was about how your teacher, when you were young, told you that you would never read, never write, never go far in life, never really amount to nothing, and that you were a loser, basically. And then you go from that to becoming what many consider to be one of the world's leading human behavioral specialists in the world. How does one go from that into what you've been able to achieve in helping so many people?
0: Yeah, I did have learning problems as a child, for sure. When I was a hmm. and a half, I know my mom used to take me to a speech pathologist and I had to put strings with buttons in my mouth and exercise muscles to try to use my mouth properly. And no matter what I did, speech was awkward. I didn't really sound right. I couldn't pronounce things. When I got to first grade, my teacher saw that I had learning problems. No matter what I did, I just didn't read like the rest of the kids seemed to be doing. I would reverse letters. I would read backwards. I wrote backwards. I was born with my hand and arm turned inward. So I had to wear braces as a child, kind of like a Forrest Gump thing. So yeah, I had a bit of a challenge. My teacher finally had my parents come to the class and said in front of me, in a little semicircle, in the little reading circle, I'm afraid your son is not going to be able to read. He's not likely to be able to write and communicate effectively. I don't think he's going to amount to much or go very far in life, but when I got out of four and I got out of my braces, I used to run, and he said, but he likes to run. You might want to put him in some sort of sport where he might excel in sports, which was true. And I did go okay in sports and baseball and then eventually surfing. I didn't do well academically and I didn't read effectively. I asked smart kids what they learned and that's how I made it through part of elementary school. But I left school and I was a street kid from around 13 on. And then at 14, I hitchhiked to California and down into Mexico to surf. At 15, I went off to Hawaii to surf and I nearly died there at 17. And then that led me to meeting an amazing teacher one night in one hour that when he spoke i was so inspired that i was in tears like you were and i for the first time in my life thought maybe just maybe with what this man said maybe i could someday become intelligent and that really was amazing for me to actually think that maybe i could overcome my learning problems and actually learn how to read and, and do that. So I went on a journey with this man's tutelage. I went on a journey to work on that. I moved back to Texas. I flew to California, hitchhiked back to Texas, and took the GED and miraculously passed that guessing. And then I started reading a dictionary with the help of my mom, and we started memorizing and pronouncing and spelling it and using each word in a sentence. And I went through the dictionary and did 30 words a day. Until my vocabulary was strong enough where I could actually comprehend some things and make sense out of things. And then I really caught on to reading. And man, I started reading literally 18 and 20 hours a day. And I never wanted to stop. For 48 plus years now, that led me to eventually having people ask me questions and tutelage and tutoring and teaching. And I've been teaching now 48 plus years. And I, I can't think of anything else I'd love doing. So I do it every day. Wow. I remember you told this story. And I can
1: see as you share this with us again that, you know, you're tearing up a bit when you're speaking about this experience that you had when you
0: heard, I believe it was Paul Bragg. Yeah, Paul Bragg. The gentleman who inspired me was Paul C. Bragg. Now he had an impact on a lot of people. He had an impact on Jack Olay, the Kellogg's from the Kellogg's Corn Flake Company. Steve Jobs, Donald Trump, Gloria Swanson. I mean, there's about 139 famous people that were impacted by this one man. And I was one of them. And his daughter attended my Hawaiian breakthrough experience about 2007 or 2008, I think. And she's a short little four foot seven, just lovely lady, amazing lady, fireball. And she came in the back of the room, and I saw her come back there. had a hat on and a pink outfit. And at the break, she came up to me, and she grabbed my hands, and she held him in my hands. And she says, you inspired me. You remind me of my father. I had a dream the night that I was there with him that someday when I'm his age, I hope to be able to inspire young people like he did for me. And I've been working on it ever since. So I'm not quite his age. I'm going on 67 and uh, still cranking but I I really believe that by the time I'm his age, that I would like to do the same thing and pass that torch on.
1: Well, it's already been done, my friend. And I know you're not going to stop. I know you're working on a a new text and continuously delivering seminars and wisdom. And like I said, you have been the spark in my life, like Paul Bragg was for you. You've done that for me. And I'm not the only one there. I can talk about hundreds in this country alone that I know personally that has had their lives transformed because of some of your work. I know your values work. For those of you watching, go to drdmartini.com and do the values determination process. This is a great place to start because it helps us really understand our value. Now, you speak so beautifully to this, John. Can you give us your short version of why you've chosen to share this work in, in this specific way in regards to values?
0: I think that's so powerful. Well, Every human being, regardless of age or gender or culture, lives moment by moment, filtering their reality, their decisions and their actions according to the values that they hold. And they have a hierarchy of values that are completely unique, like a fingerprint. And whatever is highest on the value list of an individual is what they spontaneously are inspired from within to do. It's an intrinsic value. And whatever's lower, progressively lower on the values, it becomes more and more extrinsic. So you need motivation, reward to do it, or punishment not to do it, to get you, if you not don't do it, to get you to act. And so finding out what's really most important and what's highest on your value and not go by what you think it is, but what your life really demonstrated is. If I ask people, I've been working with values for over 43 of the 48 years I've been teaching. And if you ask people what their values are, they'll tell you social idealisms, you know, peace and truth and honesty and, you know, integrity and all these idealisms. But I'm interested in what your life demonstrates on a moment-by-moment basis that you make your decisions by so you can find out what's really, really important to you so you can structure your life in such a way that you're doing and filling your day with high-priority actions and delegating lower-priority distractions. Because you can do, by doing that, you build momentum and you end up expanding your space and time horizons. You give yourself permission to wake up your leader. You wake up your genius. You wake up your creativity. I mean, it's just, I could go on and on and on on the significance of living in alignment and congruent with what you value most. You have the most fulfillment, the most meaning, the most inspiration in life. And so helping people find that and structure their life around that is what the Breakthrough Experience program's about. And really all my programs are designed to do to help people be inspired by their lives. Because it doesn't matter what you've been through or what you're going through, what you've experienced. What matters is, are you now targeting your life on priority? It changes your life. I've got millions of people to demonstrate and prove that. So I, I spend a lot of time trying to help people do that. I just spoke today with uh, an organization in Israel and Palestine sure. that did... De- They've asked me to be the keynote speaker on the International Peace Day in in September to talk about the method that I developed and the relationship to values. Because people, when they're living congruently with that, they're less volatile. They're less distressed. They're less judgmental. They're more engaged and inspired. And uh, so it's being used there. It's also being used, a United Nations thing here coming up uh, next week. Uh, where I'm doing something on waking up creativity and innovation in the world today as entrepreneurs. So it has so many applications. I, I don't know in healthcare. I I did healthcare today. I did a healthcare conference today and uh, applied. So it has a universal application. So I've distilled whatever I've been able to study in these 48 plus years to, um, to write it down to that very highest priority information I can deliver that can make the biggest difference with the least amount of effort. Phenomenal. And I know you've got this
1: on your website. You guys can just go to the website and actually you know, do the process there. I see even one of our graduates here, Tanya, she's saying uh, to her husband, we should do a date night and review our values. I can think of no better way, <laughs> just trend a date night than to really get clear on what your. are what your soul wants and what, what, who you really are. And I know you speak that the difference between motivation, and I quote you so often, uh, motivation being this external push that you run out of energy, but inspiration being this internal pull when you're living in alignment with who you really are, that spirit, that consciousness or whatever. We teach a lot of spiritual concepts. And really, one of the first times I heard you speak on what we refer to as innate intelligence or this wisdom within us, um, would you give us a little context as to, okay, so we can get to know our values. So the first step is we need to know who we are in order to live a congruent life, a life of inspiration in spirit, as you mentioned from Latin. So we got that. Okay. That's a great place to start. And then we talk about this thing called innate intelligence. We know, you know, talk about quantum physics. There's way more to us than just the physical reality. Would you give us your, your understanding of this? And, and, and perhaps also,
0: how can we tap into that incredible power and wisdom that is within? Well, it's... through the ages, going back really to Thales, to the Greeks, for sure, Aristotle, many of the great philosophers, pre-Socratic and post-Socratic and post-Platonic, Neoplatonic philosophers, and Eastern mystics, and Chinese mystics, believed in a, you might say, what we later called the field of intelligence. And they were panpsychics. Panpsychics means that underneath energy, time, space, and matter is a more fundamental thing called consciousness. Now, Erwin Schrodinger was a panpsychic. Max Planck was a panpsychic. Albert Einstein was a panpsychic. Newton was a panpsychic. Immanuel Kant was a panpsychic. Swedenborg was. I could go down the list. I have over 1,200 famous contributors in the world that were panpsychics that believed that there was some sort of an ordering intelligence that governed the natural laws. I'm in a movie right now that was filmed this last year. It's coming out soon with Stephen Hawking. And Stephen Hawking was a panpsychic. Even though he didn't want to admit it at times, depending on the setting, he believed that the natural laws of the universe, if we want to call something God, it wasn't an anthropomorphic deity that some people describe that's personified and projected of human behavior but it's more of a a field of intelligence that underlies life and existence. Einstein said it's enough for me on a daily basis to contemplate a little portion of this magnificent intelligence that permeates the universe. So some believe that even Susskind at Stanford believes that there's a conservation of information in the universe, and that somehow whatever information that's gathered non-entropic information this information is permeated the universe it can't be destroyed it's it's constant and i believe that we have a capacity to have a glimpse of a portion of that an infinitesimal of this infinite potential intelligence and so i'm a believer that that's there i've done what i could in the break to experience in my demartini method to show a way of demonstrating this not with faith not with arguments Not ontological arguments or not causal arguments, but a way of actually demonstrating it to our sensory experience, this intelligence in the behavior of human behavior and social structures. So Malpertius, the mathematician, had his idea called the least action principle, that it was his way of demonstrating it, which also confirms and lines with some of the way I've defined it. So I think that that's a universal principle. And then any subset of the universe, any substructure that we've ever identified, since it is proportioned to the infinite universe with it, we would call that an innate intelligence, an inborn intelligence in any substructure. And obviously human beings would would be having that. Now, we like to think with our expanded pride that the human being is the pinnacle, the apex uh, consciousness in the planet. But we have to realize that if we took all the Nobel Prize winners and biologists and physicists and put them all together and, and took all their knowledge in a blender, They still haven't figured out how a single cell runs. The biochemistry is beyond it. The algorithms are beyond what we know. And yet, 4.2 to 4 billion years ago, organisms were living on the planet. And it looks like possibly out in space and who knows where else. There's exobiological sources there. So it's very probable that there's a wisdom inherent in systems that organically self organizes or self other organizes. And makes life. The Nobel Prize winner in France, Luc Montagu, whatever, he's done some amazing work on how water stores information and it actually can reorganize DNA. That's pretty profound. So I'm a firm believer that there's an intelligence in the universe, and any subset of that has an innate intelligence. And then there's the educated intelligence, the things we learn about the universe that may be finite. Dirac said, that Paul Dirac, the Nobel Prize winner, said, it's not that we know so much, we know so much that isn't so. And he's talking about the educated intelligence that actually misleads us and, in a sense, distracts us from the wisdom of this innate intelligence that is biologically governing life itself. You know, we don't know how to run our own cell, and yet trillions of cells are orchestrated and integrated in ways that's hard to comprehend. So if we're the highest intelligence and we don't even know how to run a single cell, What's the intelligence running the system? Now, we could say that that's just random thermodynamic events that somehow orchestrated itself, but that's a nice atheistic, monist, materialist, empiricist view of this game. But that's not the only theories. There's lots of theories. And I'm a firm believer in a a more of a panpsychic idea. I'm not a vitalist per se, and I'm not a natural Christian design kind of structure, but I believe that there are certain laws of the universe that help organize life. And i had been fascinated, and been studying that and writing about that and delving into that as deeply as possible, humanly possible for the last 48 years. And you've done so in a way, if I can
1: say, that really helped people have the actual experience, because I know one side of it is to intellectualize it. We can try and label it and talk about it. And as a polymath, as a master of many, many different genres and studies and sciences, that's what you specialize in. But I remember when I went to your work, John, and I sat in that breakthrough experience, And for those of you haven't done the breakthrough experience, we really hope that you'll be able to travel soon, John. Hopefully you'll be able to come to Australia. Hopefully we'll do it alive again. Yeah. If you guys have a chance, jump online, go to drdeanmartini.com, have a look at that, do the values work, and then have a look at the breakthrough experience. That was the pivotal moment. That was the shift that changed everything for me because I was able to finally forgive and finally see the love and the wholeness, which is the experience. And I remember as we say, and in our events as well, there's a similar process where time and space completely dissolves. And I sat there and I did this process on my mother because so much of our wounding stems from childhood, mothers, fathers in imprint period, etc. And I fully saw this person in front of me, which was not actually physically my mother, but she fully became all of which. Time and space was not real. I was covered in tears. My heart was fully open. And John, and I want to just thank you for that experience, because that was truly something that I can't explain as a scientist. I can try, but it's way beyond that.
0: Can I have a story about that? Please, please. I was in Australia, this is probably 25 years ago, doing the breakthrough experience in Melbourne to about 40 attendees. And I think we were at the, on Channel 10, the Coma Hotel at the time, that's where it was. And... There was a gentleman hosting the program named Chris, lovely gentleman, and he had been divorced and his wife was taking care of the kids so he could host the program with me. At the last minute, his wife dropped off his 11-year-old daughter and said, I can't take care of this weekend. You're going to have to take care of it. He says, I can't take care of it. I'm de- I have to do a seminar. That's not fair. He says, you have to. So this 11-year-old girl has to go to the seminar. Well, Luckily, she had drawing materials and some headset materials so she could keep herself busy because she's probably not going to be interested in all the things we're talking. about. So she was unbelievably quiet, sitting, occasionally listening, drawing, listening to music, and was just this absolutely amazing 11-year-old girl that didn't disturb anybody, was just present and doing her thing. We worked through the entire day and all the way into the evening when they're actually finishing up the Martini method, the actual method on dissolving emotional stuff. So you can actually be present and be grateful and love somebody. So this lady who was 57 had just finished doing the Martini method on her 76-year-old mother. And I could see she had a tear in her eye and I could see that she had some gratitude and I walked over to her, I said, have you finished? And she goes, yeah. I said, then who here reminds you or resonates or resembles the person you did? And she said, well, I did my mother. And so she looked around the room and there's only 40 people. And she's looking around the room and scanning the room and nobody looked like her mother exactly until she got to this 11 year old girl. And it was spooky because the way the hair of the girl and everything else just somehow reminded of her mother. Now, I wouldn't have expected this 11-year-old girl. I would have thought somebody that was older was going to be picked. But she picks this 11-year-old girl, and I said, Chris, could you bring your daughter over here? And we sat them across in chairs, and they were maybe head-to-head a foot and a half apart. They were literally close together. And this 57-year-old woman started to speak and speak to her mother as if this young girl was her mother. Just like you were mentioning yourself. And she started bawling. She started having tears. She started having a deep appreciation. And she was thanking her mother. While she started thanking her mother, the 11 year old girl reached up on the side of her head with a shaking kind of palsy movement and started stroking her hair. And then said to her daughter, This is now this 11 year old girl said, Oh, my precious little angel, I'll never forget the day your eyes opened up. You've been my special little angel. your whole life, my dear. It means so much to me to hear what you have to say. I love you so deeply. I thank you, my dear, for being such a good daughter. I thank you so much. I love you so much. When this was finished, they just embraced each other and probably cried and snotted for probably 10 minutes. The whole room was in tears. And finally, they stopped the, the hugging. And the lady turns to me and she says, Dr. Martini, how on earth did that young girl know that my mother had a palsy in the left hand? How did she know to say what my mother used to call me? How did she know to stroke my hair what she did her whole life? How on earth did she do that? And I said, well, that's what happens in the method." when you extract out space and time from your mind and get really present, you access what Emmanuel would call the transcendental mind, which has access to information that we normally don't get, that's in the unconscious, that comes to the surface, and we gather information, and we can actually almost encompass the information sitting in people that we're present with. And she said, that was mind-blowing. I swear to God, I was just hugging my mother. I could smell her. I could hear her. I looked into her eyes, and it was my mom. And I said, that's the magic of the method. I've been working on this method since I was 18. The very powerful method on helping people transcend emotional perceptions and judgments to help people appreciate and love their life and the people around them. And some really profound, almost mystical things occur when people do that. And it's built out of quantum physics, believe it or not. It's almost a spiritual experience built out of a scientific method but it's profound. And what you just described is something I get to see in Breakthrough weekly whenever I do that program. I don't i really have words, but again, tears. And I
1: know it to be true because I've been there and I've experienced it. And as you once said, John, you said one day we're going to leave this planet and we'll look back and we'll ask ourselves the question, did I really do everything I could with everything I had? Did I live? Did I love? And did I serve my heart out? And your method truly is enabling us to for you to say yes, and for us to be in this experience with you, I could only imagine how this little girl just allowed things to flow. She was amazing. I, I, I have to share this one. Pardon me for
0: going over me. No, go. This is you, buddy. Take I, it away. I, I, I was in Hawaii teaching the Breakthrough Experience at the Hyatt Regency Waikiki, and it's about 11.45, almost 12. And... Uh, One of the ladies who finished her method and had already said thank you to an ex-husband surrogate and had tears was about to pack up and was leaving. And I said, "Ma'am, if you could just stay just a few more minutes, I think we'll be all finished here in 20 minutes." He said, "Well, I got to kind of get a dog, and I got to get back." And I said, "Just 20 more minutes, please, because you just might be somebody here in this room for somebody who's completing." Mm -hmm. And literally 13 minutes later, I guess a 19-year-old girl who was attending picked her as the mother surrogate. And she had done really a great job at dissolving some emotional baggage she had with her mom, things that she wasn't appreciating. She just started to see the hidden order in it. And she picked the lady and I asked the lady to come. The moment the lady saw the girl, she just put her hand on her chest. She goes, oh my God, this is my daughter. She knew. And what's interesting is the 19-year-old girl sat across from her and said almost verbatim what the mother needed to hear from her daughter. The daughter left when she was 16, disappeared for two and a half years, had not seen the mother. This girl had left the mother at 16, had not seen the mother, was bitter to the mother, moved out, and was just clearing that and said what she needed to hear from her own daughter. And when they hugged, it was a gully washer. It was absolutely tears. The room was all in tears. It was just like, she goes, wow. I would never have missed. If I would have walked out, I'd have missed that. That was worth everything to me, to be able to hold my daughter in my arms like that and tell her what I need to say and hear what she said. At that moment, is around 12.15, she left when she finished on her phone at 12.15. On the way home, she got a text from her daughter. Mm -hmm. She got home. The first thing she did when she got out of the car, she called her daughter. The conversation they had on the phone was the same conversation they just had in the room. And at the moment the girl communicated that, that's when the girl was trying to get a hold of her and said, I'm ready to come home. When the next day came in and she came in, she told the story and said, my daughter's coming home. She contacted me. She's coming home. At the time, I hugged that other lady, that other girl. So I see this weekly. I mean, amazing stuff. I see this weekly. I've had people finish the exercise and somebody they've not talked to in 11 years calls on the phone at that moment. It's almost like an entanglement in psychology. It's almost impossible for me not to present that program. I've been doing it for 32 years, 1,122 times in 66 countries. I'm still Craig. Yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, how could you not when it does such powerful things for the people? John, I know that this works in ways that we could try to understand, but really that experience is what this is about. And right now there's a lot of things that are happening in the world, John. I mean, this is, I mean, go back a year and a half. I mean, the world has shifted very dramatically. If we can look at it from an expanded perspective, from that expanded consciousness, what would you say is the most important thing for us to focus on right now as individuals, as families, as business people, whatever else, what would be your advice to everyone listening right now? We know step one, get onto Dr. Martini, the website, do the values work. Step two, do everything you can. And the question is, how could you not afford to do this work is my personal opinion. So try and get all your resources together to do the breakthrough experience, be that online. Okay, so values first, breakthrough second, and third, what's your advice? I mean, what do you think is happening in the world right now, John? And
0: what do we need to do? What do we need to focus on all of us? Well, I'm a firm believer that it has nothing to do with what goes on around you. It has everything to do with your perception, decisions, and actions of it. So one of the greatest and wisest things I've found that a human being can do is to prioritize their actions every day. Ask themselves, what is the highest priority action I can be doing right now that will serve the greatest number of people that is most deeply meaningful, that inspires me, that can make the biggest difference with the resources I have in the most efficient, effective way. If I stick to the highest priority and keep doing the one thing that highest to priority moment by moment, I'm doing the most that a human being can do. Then if I can take command of my perceptions and ask quality questions, because the quality of my life is basically quality questions asked. How specifically is whatever's happening at this moment in my perceptions, No matter what it is, how is it helping me fulfill what is most deeply meaningful to me? How is it on the way, not in the way? If I ask that, instead of sitting there being victim of history, I can be master of destiny. So I ask the question, whatever's happening, somebody's verbally criticizing, somebody's ridiculing me, somebody's canceling business, whatever it may be. How specifically is this helping me fulfill what I feel is most deeply meaningful, my mission, my contribution to the planet? And if you don't stop and dig and don't lie to yourself saying, I don't know, I can't find it, find out how it's serving that mission. You will find that everything in your life is on the way to be grateful for. And anything you can't say thank you for is baggage. Anything you can say thankful for is fuel. And I found that by doing it, and I keep a list of that daily, literally an ongoing list of everything that happens in a day and make sure that I don't go to bed until I can see it from an idea of thankfulness and it's helping me get what I want. And I realized by doing it that I have command over my perception, decisions, and actions. It's the only three things that I have control over in my life. And if I can make them where my decision is, am I going to make a priority of my actions or am I going to make a priority of my perceptions in this moment, which is the wisest. And either go and do what you love through delegating or love what you do through linking it to what you value most. And that liberates you to build momentum, incremental momentum to do something extraordinary on the planet. <laughs> Such a big question and
1: such a profoundly simple answer that shows us all that we have that power within. So just to take a note on this, everyone watching and listening, the key here is to, and, and I would you know, recommend listening to this over and over and over again until it vibrates in your system. But you mentioned here, John, to write down every single day, not from time to time, but every day, write down, how is this serving me, fulfill my mission? How is this helping me
0: do what I came to do? Is that correct? Yeah. It's never what happens to you. You know, William James, uh-huh. father of modern psychology, about 125 years ago said, or wrote anyway, that the greatest discovery of his generations is human beings can alter their lives by altering their perceptions and attitudes of mind. Mm. So it's not what happens to you because all of us have had moments in our life where we've had this event occur, this experience. And we th- first thought, because of a subjective bias, that there were more drawbacks and benefits. We thought this is a terrible event. And then a day, a week, a month, a year, or five years later, we look back and go, wow, I can now see that if it hadn't been for that event, I wouldn't have gotten this experience and I wouldn't have been this path. And now I wouldn't change it. But why with some of the ages, with the aging process, why take time to do that? Why not ask right now and discover it? Because the discovery is right in that moment. And I've proven that with literally 100,000 people in the Breakthrough Experience. You can find in that moment the, the benefits of that right there on the spot. And when you do, you liberate yourself from the idea of storing some wound in your subconscious mind that's going to cause you to react on anything that reminds you of that in an avoidance response and a seeking response of anything that's the opposite of that. And so you're now run from the external world instead of run from your own perceptions. And I want you to have command of your life so you can live an inspired life. You won't if the world around you is running it. I said on The Secret 2007 When the voice and vision on the inside is louder than all that on the outside, all the opinions on the outside, then you master your life. So taking what's happened and filtering it through a way of seeing it on the way, not in the way, is liberating. There's nothing that can happen. There's nothing your mortal body can experience that your mortal soul can't love anyway.
1: Can we let that sink in for a moment? Wow. John, I want to thank you so
0: much, but I just want to check in with you. Is there anything
1: else you want to share? Any final words?
0: When you exaggerate yourself and look down on people or minimize yourself and look up to people, you're not being yourself. And everybody wants to be loved for who they are, but you won't be loved for who you are if you're judging somebody and putting them on pedestals or pits. You got to put them in your heart and level the playing field and have equanimity within you and equity between you and them if you want to live an authentic life. And the magnificence of your authenticity is far greater than any of the fantasies and facades that you'll put on judging somebody. So give yourself permission to love your own life by loving the people around you. Schopenhauer says that we become our true self to the degree that we make everyone else ourself. So give yourself permission to shine, not shrink, and give yourself permission to stand on the shoulders of giants, not live in the shadows of anyone. Amazing, John. Thank you for inspiring us once again. I want to say
1: from the bottom of my heart, you changed my life and that has impacted many people, including our families. And- I will forever, and my soul, not just my mortal being, but my soul will forever be grateful for our entanglement and our opportunity to be together. Thank you for what you're doing for the people. Thank you for what you're doing for everyone that has had a a chance to listen. And yeah, thank you so much for being here with us.
0: Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on your show and share. Thank you.
1: Love you. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more about how to walk the quantum path into life mastery, business mastery, uh, if you want to learn more about our live events or coaching or anything that we offer, go to www.drespen.com. That's D-R-E-S-P-E-M.com or email info at Dr. And let's find out how we can help you take your life, your business and your mission to a whole nother level. We'll see you next time.